0: Good afternoon everyone. It is now five o'clock here at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, www.cfrc.ca and Kojiko Cable 282. You're listening to Campus Beat. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. And each week here on Campus Beat, we welcome a new guest from the Queen's University community to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Campus Beat. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen, and I am in studio today with Tao Lewis, the 2018 Stonecroft Foundation Artist-in-Residence at Ontario Hall and the Agnes Etherington Art Centre here at Queen's University. Welcome to CFRC. Thanks for
1: having me. Happy to be here.
0: We're very happy and very excited that you're here with us. Uh, so tell us about yourself. Uh, where are you from and how did you come to Queen's as the Stonecroft Artist-in-Residence?
1: I'm from Toronto. I've been, uh, well, I was born and raised in Toronto. It's where I've been working for the last almost five years um, as an artist. Um, Around 2016, when I had my first solo exhibition in Toronto, um, I met Sonny, Sonny Kerr, who's the curator at the Agnes Etherington. Um, And since that time in 2016, um, he and I have been in conversation about the possibility of coming here um, in 2018, which at that point seemed very far away, but here we are now, um, so it's been two years of basically just communicating with uh, the Agnes through Sunny and getting to know the Agnes, and um, as well Sunny getting to know my practice and learn more about my work as it was developing.
0: And now, tell us about uh, your de- the development of your art. Tell us about the body of artwork that you've been producing and how it has developed over the years, perhaps in terms of, I don't know, your material choices or thematic concerns that you may have. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I basically have been working, like I said, for the last um, four years and a bit. Um, I dropped out of two college programs, um, and during the time that I was not going to school let's say i was doing a lot of uh, material exploration and just working and working and um, it's been a very action-based practice since then Um, i started around 2016 thinking a lot about some of the conceptual concerns of my work i think a lot about um, black canada and archiving black canada and i guess just the erasure of black histories um, in our landscape Uh, So I was really, around that time, starting to consider how I could incorporate those themes into the materiality of my work. So I like to use things that are recycled. I like to build portraits, essentially, out of things that I find in the Canadian landscape to tell stories about blackness. Um, And this is sort of um, the overarching concern throughout all of my work. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've kind of just been building and growing from that point. over the last three years, let's say um, lost my thought lost my train of thought uh, what was the other part of the
0: also oh, in terms of your thematic concerns and material choices, but how you've perhaps how you've seen your work develop you talked about the last three years but how did you start out, even as an artist did Is this something that you've always been doing even since your very yeah. uh young years?
1: Yeah, I think that um you know artwork has always been my safe place, and I always say this, but I think that as adults, we should try and consider the things that we did as children um that made us happy mm-hmm. or you know that made us feel confident or comfortable um and I'm someone who struggled a lot through my education. Um, it took me extra time to graduate high school. And then after that, I finally, you know, graduated and got into all of these college programs. Um, I tried to go to Ryerson for journalism. I did that for, you know, I like to say a year, but it was more like five months before I completely stopped going because I was really miserable. Hmm. Um. But during the time that, you know, I was flunking out, um, I was making art and I was getting comfortable again with the idea of, Artwork as something that, you know, I need to do and I need to be doing in order to feel like I'm living my life. Um, So this is where I started seriously um, considering art as something that maybe I should be doing Mm -hmm. um, and maybe I should be taking seriously. So I haven't stopped working since that time um, when I was failing in school. I did, you know, try to go to another college program at George Brown, and that was more to just, like, kind of make my mom feel like I wasn't <laughs> completely giving up on education. Um, but, I mean, I also, it, it was a one-year program, and I couldn't follow through with it. Mm-hmm. And my mind was wandering a lot. Um, I wasn't there. I wasn't in the classroom. And this is the problem I've always had, is that I can't learn um the same way that a lot of people are able to, okay. in a classroom.
0: So how might this translate in the creation of your work? It sounds like you're self-taught.
1: I am a self-taught artist. Um, I have a very intuitive approach to art making. Um, I believe that there's no right or wrong way to construct something. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of really unorthodox methods of how I do that, just in the terms of how you put things together, or how you build something. Um, So a lot of my process doesn't make sense to people who are um, classically trained. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing that I realize more and more is that that doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Your art's not any less um, valid or less good just because it's made in a different technique or Mm -hmm. a different way than other people do it.
0: Um, Plus, you're making new discoveries, too, and contributing, not only in terms of the final product, but contributing to the process that perhaps uh, your peers uh, may also be able to benefit and learn from, too, exactly. in ways they hadn't experienced or thought about before.
1: Yeah, and I think, I I guess, um, the whole point of what I'm trying to say is that the more that I continue to practice and the more that I sort of push myself, um, especially with assemblage, which is art making with found materials. um, I have to sort of push the boundaries every day of, you know, what I'm comfortable with or what I know Mm -hmm. about how an object can be constructed. Um, Because really, you can make art out of anything. Um, And art objects don't have to be things that last forever. They don't have to be things that are going to, you know, be put on a pedestal in a museum. Art can fall apart in a couple years. Mm -hmm. Art can change. Art can disintegrate. Um, I've made artwork out of live plants before that, you know, live in houses and have to get watered by the people who own them.
0: And they eventually change shape or die. (laughs) Exactly. They're not cared for.
1: And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, um, you know, a lot of us especially when we're studying art get stuck in ideas about what art is supposed to be or what art can't be mm-hmm. um, so you know working in assemblage is pushing myself every day to kind of uh, just push the boundaries of, of what that is okay, and what that can be
0: now in your uh, as an artist in residence what does your day to day look like when you're in studio what are you doing
1: I'm basically covering all the grounds of of my practice because I have space for the first time in, you know, the, the four and a half years that I've been working as an artist. I'm coming out of Toronto where I was, um, you know, for the last three years sharing a studio with seven other people and I had, you know, a 10-foot by 10-foot area to work in. Mm-hmm. Um, so my space, which is at Ontario Hall... Um, is giant it's like the most space i've ever had to work in and like could possibly ever have to work in um so i'm really just trying to take advantage of that and kind of covering all the grounds of what i do so i'm making assemblage sculptures i'm doing fabric-based works um i'm doing a really big plaster figure which is going to be in my show with the agnes Mm -hmm. um and I'm also welcoming a lot of local artists and visitors um, and people who study at, at Queen's as well to come in and visit me mm-hmm. and talk about art. Um, so that's kind of what, what I've been doing. I've just been working and sort of getting to know the community as much as I can okay. um, and keeping it very open.
0: What, uh, what do you think your goals or um, hope for outcomes might be from this particular residency? Are are there new skills that you're looking to develop and um, take with you? Uh, What is it that you would ultimately like to be able to accomplish during your 13 weeks here?
1: I mean, I'd I'd really like to engage people. And I'd like to, you know, I think that it's good coming from Toronto um, to Queen's, being able to sort of, expose my work to people who, you know, probably have never seen it before, um, and to do that on a really intimate level, Mm -hmm. which is the nice thing about being here is that I'm, you know, getting to be an artist amongst artists again, which, you know, life becomes very fast paced and you don't always have time to do that unless you designate it. So this is why I love having conversations about art with people. And I love doing workshops because, It makes me feel that intimacy again about, you know, just being with people and talking about art. Um, And, uh, yeah, like really just getting to know each other on a personal level, which is a very restorative thing for me as well.
0: Now, tell us a little bit about your inspiration in terms of um, thinking of a particular theme and actually putting that into practice? When you uh, start gathering your materials, do you have something already in mind as to what uh, what the final product is going to look like on the uh, end of it?
1: Um, that really depends. It's something that changes quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I'm used to working in terms of assemblage is I'll usually have a collection of materials going and sometimes there will be one thing within that pile of stuff that will kind of remind me of a bone or remind me of a face or it'll remind me of something and mm-hmm. that will kind of spark the rest of the journey in creating a piece and a lot of the times it'll just be you know predicted by whatever I find that day um, I like to sort of have as little of a hand in how things come together as possible if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I like to let the materials speak for themselves
0: as opposed to being a little bit too prescriptive yes, perhaps. Yes. Exactly. If that's a good
1: word. Exactly. Um sometimes I'll, you know, have an object for like there I've I've built things that I've had those objects for years before I really knew how they were supposed to kind of work together. Mm-hmm. Or I'll have, you know, some objects sitting in my studio for a year and then I'll find one thing that'll help me kind of tie the rest of it together. So it really is sort of just sort of intuitive
0: and it doesn't make a ton of sense, but. And what might the, some of these objects be?
1: They're usually, like I said, portraits. Okay. So sometimes they're, um, they appear as a full figure or sometimes they appear as a bust, mm-hmm. um, or I guess like a small statue, but they usually um, represent humanness in some capacity.
0: Okay. Now, what do you hope your audiences uh, draw or perhaps learn from your work uh, when they have opportunities to view it?
1: Mm, I mean, that's, that's a hard question because I feel like <laughs> audiences are a tricky thing.
0: Um, and everything is, uh, what's that old adage, that everything's in the eye of the beholder?
1: It's true. I think that's beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Um, but I guess, yeah, I try not to assert too much of what people should take away from my work. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time, you know, I'm I'm a Jamaican-Canadian person, that's how I identify, and there will be very small gestures in the work that people with my shared background will pick up on right away or that they'll understand. Um, and then there are things that people see or notice in the work that hadn't really occurred to me. Um, And I think that's a really beautiful thing. Mm. I'm able actually to learn things about myself and about the work based on what other people take away from it. So I know why I'm making the work and what it means to me, but it means a whole host of different things to um, different people depending on who's looking on it, and I think that's a wonderful thing. So Yeah.
0: Now, I uh, moving forward. I understand that you've also teamed up with uh, Roots and Wings, a local uh, grassroots community group um, started by uh, Yasmin Jirbal, who is uh, in cultural studies as a PhD candidate here at Queen's University. Can you tell us a little bit about Roots and Wings and uh, the work that you're doing with this group?
1: Mm-hmm. So, I've done one workshop so far with Roots and Wings. Um, it's organized by Yasmin and. It's a group of um, femme-identifying young people, and I think that they're aged from 8 to 17. Um, So the group that I had were... I I didn't know what to expect based on that age bracket, but I had an amazing group of girls around 8 years old. Um, And I think that these types of organizations, and especially these workshops, are so important, especially for young girls, because we just need space to create and it's very often that we're not provided that space mm-hmm. um and i remember growing up and having an artist named charmaine Lurch who would come to my school and do workshops with us um and this was i'm realizing now such an important part of who i am today probably um because like i said it's like very often that we're not given that space and when we're not given that space we feel like maybe it's just something that's not there for us. And really everyone should be able to make art. I make art because it's healing and, mm-hmm. and therapeutic. Um, and getting to be a part of you know, providing that experience for other young people is really fulfilling for me. Mm-hmm. And it makes me feel like I'm kind of doing the right thing and I'm at the right place in life. Um, it's also just so inspiring to sort of you know, be able to work with those girls because you can just see the energy that comes out when they're given these materials or when they're given the task to make something. Um, and it's really inspiring. Mm -hmm. And I think that you'll never encounter a more honest kind of storytelling or art making than you will from children. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's been a huge privilege for me to kind of um, get to know that program a little bit and work with them.
0: Tell us a little bit about maybe a highlight from uh one of the sessions that you had with um uh roots and wings was there a just a, a wonderful moment with working with a particular person uh on their work and then just watching them blossom or
1: honestly like it it was all all of them were incredible um and I entered the workshop <laughs> <clears throat> I entered the workshop and I basically. I told them a bit about myself and what I do and you know why I make art Um, and I was speaking to them you know the way that I would normally like speak to you Mm -hmm. to tell you about myself Um, so I think the tone that I was speaking to them in they kind of they they were taking it very seriously and they all just kind of really got into the work Um, we were making fabric patches which is something that I've been doing lately I'm working with fabrics Um, so I showed them a quilt that I was making and I told them, you know, ways that they could kind of make their own quilt. Um, and I was just absolutely like blown away by some of the things they were doing. Um, stuff that I would never think of doing. Mm -hmm. Like one of them was like smearing wet paint all over a piece of fabric and then like sprinkling fur on top of it. And it's just like really like weird, weird stuff, but so good. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why, um, so many artists try to like study children's art because it really is nothing like it. Mm -hmm. Um, And everything that they made was very impressive, I have to
0: say. Well, it sounds like a wonderful experience. And are there more of these sessions coming up uh, throughout the rest of the summer?
1: Yeah, we're hoping to do another one actually in the fall. Okay. Um, So I'm going to be coming back in September for a fall portion of my residency. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're hoping to do another workshop then, which will be nice, because um, obviously I'll get to reconnect with the, the same group of girls. Um, And maybe we can kind of build, I'm hoping, on the patches that we started and make them bigger. And the idea is that they'll be able to kind of continue working on these things so that they can come bigger and bigger and they never have to be finished, basically.
0: Now tell us about your participation in in another uh, series of sessions, um, the Art Worlds, a user's guide. It was a pilot program in partnership between the Agnes Etherington Art Center as well as the School of Business. Mm -hmm. So we're moving from working with children now to MBA students who were coming in and learning, I guess, how to talk about art. Mm -hmm. What did that session look like?
1: Um, That session was actually a lot of fun. I think that, um, you know, it it can be really useful for both parties when you've got, you know, someone who's involved in the art world and people who are not exactly involved in the art world um, or, you know, in, I guess, art per se, uh, because you can both learn a lot from each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like I was saying before, um, you get really interesting questions and perspectives from people who don't necessarily um i guess study art in the same way um and i i found you know the the group asked a lot of really thoughtful questions and they were really interested um and it's just nice to sort of um be able to share myself with people and kind of uh i guess get them you know interested um so it was, it, was a nice, it was a nice time, yeah. Did you,
0: did you meet some uh, folks from the MBA program who are artists themselves?
1: None of them mentioned that. None of them mentioned that, that they were artists. But um, I think there is some sort of uh, event coming up. So I'm hoping to reconnect with some of the students.
0: Okay. And now with some, uh, speaking of upcoming things, uh, you touched on it a little earlier, but you do have an exhibition entitled Tal Lewis, New Work, which will be on view uh, starting August 25th and running through December 2nd, so all through the fall. Uh, Can you give us some insights on what visitors will have the opportunity to experience during Mm -hmm. this exhibition?
1: Yeah, so the show does have um, an actual title now. Um, We were using the the new work as a temporary title, but the title of the show is When Last You Found Me Here. Um, And it's basically uh, a collection of a series of works, which I started around two years ago. I refer to them as time capsules. Mm -hmm. Um, But they appear sort of as statues. Um, And I started this body of work as a part of... um, my second solo exhibition that I had in Toronto. And since then, there's always been one of these time capsule works in my exhibition, sort of anchoring the show. Mm -hmm. Um, But up until this point, (laughs) I haven't had the chance to sort of um, see them together or bring them together as a family. Um, So I've basically just been studying and writing about these works for the last two years. And I'm creating a fourth one in residence here. Um, which is going to kind of complete the family. So it's really sort of a homecoming um, for these really beautiful objects, which I've never had the chance to sort of see together in a room. Um, They're kind of the most hyper-personal part of my practice. Mm -hmm. They usually are reflective of myself. Um, They are kind of self-portraits in a way, but they're also portraits of people in my family, people very close to me, and they are, some of them, you know, very kind of fantastical and magical and I like to think of them as figures from alternate geographies or alternate landscapes Um, and they represent personal parts of me and also healing and um, they ask questions about black history and black Canada Um, and to me they're very um, special and, and personal as well So this is going to be um, my Agnes show. And yeah, that opens in August and I think runs all the way to the beginning of December. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So um, and for more information about that, I suppose folks can go to the Agnes Etherington Art Gallery's website to find out uh, details about uh, when there will be artist talks, Mm -hmm. well, talks with you, (laughs) and other events surrounding the exhibition itself. Absolutely, yeah. Now, um, your residency culminates in September, as you mentioned earlier, and you did talk about perhaps coming back uh, uh, with uh, Roots and Wings to run another session, hopefully Mm -hmm. in the fall. What other plans do you have thereafter?
1: There's going to be some public programming. So the Agnes and I are organizing a workshop, I think, which is going to be um, myself and some other local artists, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's going to be a workshop around sculpting with found objects. Okay. Um, So this is a workshop I've done a couple times before. It's a lot of fun because it kind of um, gets you thinking about art in different ways. Um, And it'll basically be um, taking things from outside and bringing them in and basically just teaching ourselves how to construct with those objects. Okay. Um, So that's going to be one workshop. And then we're also planning um, a couple of public talks. Um, I'm going to be working a bit with Catherine McKittrick. Mm. Oh, yes. Gender studies. Gender studies program here. Um, So I'm hoping to do some programming with her students, um, probably in the form of a talk and maybe a workshop with them as well. And then uh, I think there's also going to be probably a panel discussion or maybe just to talk with Catherine and I at the Agnes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, this sounds very exciting.
1: Yeah. It's going to be...
0: And it's nice to hear that you'll still be in Kingston, too. Yeah,
1: it'll be a very juicy two weeks with lots of stuff going on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. And now finally, how can people learn more about you and your work and uh, perhaps see some of the work you've created outside of this upcoming uh, um, exhibition, works you've done in the past, for example?
1: Yep, so I have uh, my entire portfolio online on my website which is just taulewis.com T a u l e w i s.com.
0: All right. So our listeners are encouraged to go to the URL, com and mm-hmm. uh, have a look at uh, the wonderful body of work that is available there through the whole portfolio. And, of course, uh, think about um, coming by the exhibition that will be taking place at uh, the Agnes Etherington Art Center entitled, remind us again?
1: When Last You Found Me Here.
0: When Last You Found Me Here, running from August 25th through December second. So thank you very much, Tao, for coming in and uh, giving us some of your valuable time today. We really appreciate it. It was it, This has been a lovely conversation. I feel like I know so much yeah. more about art.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed talking to you today.
0: All right. We'll see you again.
1: Thank you.